0: We continue today with our series, The Mark of Christ, and I do indeed hope that you have been reading. I hope you've done the first three chapters. If you're not, you're behind, and I'm going to ask this week that you do four and five. So uh, they're short chapters, they're to the point, very intimate, unique perspective, but I'd like you to stay ahead, so I've got to give you a couple this coming week. We're still at the end of chapter two, the beginning of chapter three, but I'd like you to read 4 and 5 to stay ahead as we move into Lent officially and we move toward Resurrection Sunday. Today I want to read a passage out of Mark where Jesus Christ is literally defining for us the Sabbath and what it means not simply in the lives of his disciples and in the lives of the people 2,000 years ago but in our lives as well. I read from the English Standard Version out of Mark, starting with the 23rd verse. And this is what Mark writes. One Sabbath he was going through the grain fields, and as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. And the Pharisees were saying to him, Look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, Have you never read what David did when he was in need and was hungry, he and those who were with him? How he entered the house of God in the time of Abathar the high priest and ate the bread of the presence, which it is not lawful for any but the priest to eat, and also gave it to those who were with him. And he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. And continuing, And he looked around at them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart, and said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was restored. The Pharisees went out immediately, held counsel with the Herodians against him, how to destroy him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. It seems that a certain Methodist preacher had a true passion for golf, kind of like Lou, a true passion for golf, and yet because he had such a large church and a thriving congregation, he had absolutely no time to play golf. So he really had to push his schedule around to see whether there was time that he could make for himself. And searching his busy schedule one time, he did find a special day where he could go and play a very special golf course. But unfortunately, the day fell on the Sabbath. The preacher in his prayers apologized to God. And then he traveled some 60 miles to the golf club so that no one might know him or see him as he played a round of golf. And as the Methodist preacher teed the ball up on the first tee, an angel looked down from heaven aghast and said, Look, a Methodist preacher playing golf on the Sabbath. And he immediately went to the Lord and told him about it. God was very upset, so upset that on the third hole, he made a great gust of wind blow across the course just about the time that the preacher's ball hit the green, and the ball traveled and went right into the hole, it was a hole in one. And the angel looked at the Lord and said, "You call that punishment?" And God said, "Of course. think about it. Who can he tell?" The psalmist wrote, this is the day which the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Each day is precious. And the one who made all seven days also made the Sabbath this day precious. The scriptures say that it was set aside. It was hallowed. It was blessed for us. It says that God had a special purpose on this day. Jesus said the Sabbath was made for man. Made for a very specific person, per, very specific purpose. Made for our interest. Made with us in mind because we need Sabbath. It was made special. It was made that it might be used by us, but not for us. Let me say that again: that it's made to be used by us, but not for us. My question to you today is: Do we really treat the Sabbath and practice the Sabbath? the way God intended? Do we really have a day of rest and relaxation and reflection? Are we so busy on where we've got to go or what we've got to do or who we've got to meet or what time we get out for lunch or who we've got to do this afternoon that we lose the meaning of what Sabbath is all about and what God desires for us to do? Are we so caught up in our own lives or in the rules and the regulations that might affect this day, that we fail to remember what it means to keep the Sabbath. i got to ask the kids right now. I need to ask you, does Sunday ever come and you really get upset that mom and dad get you up and make you come to church? Wouldn't you like to pull the covers over your heads and just go to sleep, go back to sleep? Wouldn't you? Seriously? Wouldn't you? She would, I know. I bet you I could ask that of a lot of people in here, and I'd get the same answer. I'm sure there are Sundays that come when what you would really rather do is pull the covers over your heads and go back to sleep, right? Yeah, I know. I'll raise my hand. So does the pastor. It's part of human nature. It's a part of who we are. And I think sometimes we fail to remember what this Sabbath is all about. Is it possible for us to practice faith and forget who to put our faith into? Is it possible that we sing the hymns and forget who the words are about? Is it possible that we pray the prayers and forget who we are actually praying to? Sometimes in our ambition to follow God, we forget exactly who God is and what he desires for each and every one of us. Our relationships are tangled up. We get into a mess because we don't know whether we're coming or we have going or we've just gotten there. We go to worship. We read the Bible. We pray. We think we're doing the right thing, but it all seems so boring, so useless. Following the rules, even then we go astray. Like we just come to church and we go through the motions because it's what we've always done. Is that us sometimes? Each and every one of us? We get lost and we forget this lesson that Jesus teaches the disciples and the Pharisees and thereby teaches us. We can go to worship weekend and week out and still be lost. We can follow all the rules and the regulations and still be lost. We can look religious. We can keep our noses clean. We can follow all the Ten Commandments and still be lost. In the second chapter of the Gospel of Mark, we see the example of religious people who are looking after Jesus, trying to find anything that they can criticize him about, that they might find wrong. And the Pharisees are chastising Jesus' disciples for plucking the heads of grain. Off the heads of the off the off the wheat and eating it on the Sabbath. It was a strict interpretation of the law. Do you realize that the rules and the regulations about the Sabbath really, after a while, got to be ludicrous? If you were a farmer and you had an ox and that ox fell into a ditch, you could pull the ox out and save the ox. But if you fell in the ditch while you were doing that. You had to stay in the ditch because that was work for you to get out. Those are some of the rules and the regulations. And that's what the Pharisees love to debate. That's what they love to talk about. The Pharisees were chastising the disciples, and Jesus relates the story about David who went to the temple and took the ceremonial bread to feed his people the shoe bread, the 12 loaves that were stationed on a golden table right in front of the Holy of Holies. It was an offering to God, and only the priests were supposed to eat it. But here's David, so hungry with his men that he takes even that bread to satiate his hunger. And Jesus is telling the Pharisees, don't you know that story? Because the Sabbath exists that man's life might be better. Better. We get spiritually lost, just like the Pharisees sometimes. We get so caught up in this thing that we call church or that we call Sunday that we fail to remember this lesson and how it should truly be guiding us in our lives, not just Sunday morning, but each and every day of our lives. We can find our ways back. We can find the true purpose of Sabbath if we take this lesson to heart. In the Gospel of Matthew, do you remember the Pharisees once again? trying to criticize Jesus, trying to catch him. And one of them, who was a lawyer, asked this question, Teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? Do you remember that? Which commandment in the law is the greatest? The Pharisees were a lot like people today. They see religion as a set of rules and laws that we're supposed to follow, little check marks that we're supposed to whisk off to saying we're good Christians They wanted to be punishers of the law. They wanted to be keepers of the law and they wanted to punish anybody else who wasn't following it. Don't do this. Don't do that. Maybe you've sat in church before when you were younger, terrified that you were doing the right thing or the wrong thing. Maybe you went to a religious school and you remember being terrified either by your teachers or by nuns because you weren't doing the right thing You're only doing the wrong thing. Maybe you still have memories like that. Maybe there are reasons why you don't like to come to church because of that. Perhaps you have family or friends whose images have never darkened the doors because they were raised in a situation like that. They don't want to come to church because it's all about rules and regulations. Thankfully for us, Jesus was the greatest rule breaker in all of history. He came to set us straight. He came to set us on the right path. And what does he tell the Pharisee there in Matthew when the lawyer asked him, what is the greatest commandment? What does he say? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. What's the second part of that? To love your neighbor as yourself. He said on these two commandments hang all the laws. Everything hangs off those two things. Jesus' answer was revolutionary. He was quoting Deuteronomy. He was quoting Leviticus. And he said if someone will just follow these two commands, they will keep the essence of the law itself. Jesus was saying you want the cliff notes? You want the reader's digest of why we have Sabbath and why we come together in worship? You don't have to memorize all those rules and regulations. You don't have to worry about those until you're sick. All you've got to do is do these two things, and you'll have it. Love God with all your being and love other people as you love yourself. You do that, and you have the law down pat. Yeah, I know. It's not easy. He doesn't use the word easy in any of that. I know it's not simple. He doesn't use the word simple in any of that, but all of us know the solution. All of us know the answer to the exam. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. We can't plead ignorance. We can't plead stupidity because we know what the answer is. Can you see the Pharisees' jaw drop? They had dedicated their lives to pouring over the 613 laws that were a part of the Jewish tradition. They interpreted and they they debated them, and now this carpenter from Nazareth comes in and simplifies the whole thing. The Pharisees were preoccupied with all the details, but they failed to see the heart of the law. They failed to see the essence of what Christ is all about. And that's what Jesus was bringing out, the very heart of the matter. The purpose of the law, the purpose of Sabbath is to bring us closer to God and closer to each other, period. Closer to God, closer to each other, period. That's the heart of it. And that's what truly matters. How we come into this house, how we worship. Do we worship from our hearts or do we worship up here? Do we worship with our eyes? Do we worship from our hearts? That's the essence of it. The Pharisees had lost their way. They had good intentions, of course. They wanted to follow the law, but they missed the point. What is it? They couldn't see the forest for the trees. In trying to fulfill the law, they were left. They were left disregarding love for God and love for one another. So many Christians put rules and regulations and doctrine and theology and judgments over loving God and loving your neighbor. Oh, we start off with good intentions. But somewhere along the line, those first five things overcome the most important thing of all. We take a stand. We express our position. But then after a while, our position or our theology or our ideas become more important than our relationship with God. And that's simply wrong. What troubles me more today about the Christian church than anything else is how we often put interpretations of our faith over the heart of our faith. How we put interpretations of our faith over the heart of our faith. Oh, theology and interpretation are important. Yes, granted. But they never supersede the greatest commandment to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Almost fell. How did Jesus say his followers were going to be recognized? Jesus said his followers are not going to be recognized by their hatred or by their judgments or by their theology or by their interpretation of Scripture. His followers would be recognized by their love for one another, pure and simple. When we stand before the judgment throne in heaven, God is not going to say, Well done, child you interpreted the book of Revelation correctly. He is not going to say, well done, my child, you were part of my most favorite Protestant denomination. He's not going to say those things. He's not going to say, well done, child, your theology is perfect. He's going to say, well done, my child, you loved me with all of your heart. And you loved my other children. You loved me with all of your heart, and you loved my other children. Love is the highest law. Can you imagine if we were a church about love, what kind of energy we would have? What kind of effect we would have? To stop judging and to start loving? Imagine all the energy we would have if we would get off of our crusade and really start about ministry, a love in Jesus Christ. We talk too much about taking care of the poor and too little actually doing it. We talk too much about loving the least, the last, and the lost, and too little time actually doing it. We talk about healing and compassion in our culture, but we spend too little time actually doing it. If Christians spent more time actually loving instead of just talking about it, it would be incredible beyond our imaginations. The world would be a better place. The church would be a better place. Following God is not about what you don't do. Following God is about what you do, about how you love one another. Following Jesus Christ is not about worrying about what you can't do, but what you should be doing, what you should be concentrating on, focusing on loving God and letting God work through you. Christ followers should always be known by their love. Imagine the change in attitude in our society, in our culture, in our church. If we really did this thing on Sabbath and then followed it up every day of our week, choose to be the most loving people we can possibly be. Imagine the joy and the meaning and the significance in our lives and the lives that we touch. Oh, I know you sit there and say, Pastor, that's a fairy tale. Is it? So you're telling me we're living a fairy tale? Telling me it's all a myth. Maybe I should go and get a tea time at a distant golf course. I don't believe it's a myth. I don't believe it's a fairy tale. I don't spend every Sunday up here in front of you believing it's a fairy tale. The purpose of all the laws of God, including the law of the Sabbath day, is to love God and to serve our neighbor. He set it aside for the renewal of the human spirit. Anyone who uses that law for anything else is wrong. Whenever we forget that love and forgiveness and service is the heart of who we are, then religion starts a downward spiral. The point of the Sabbath is to take our minds off of ourselves, is to take our eyes off of ourselves and put them on God, put them on our neighbor. It's not about us. It never has been and never will be. The purpose of the Sabbath is to love. You can't love God whom you do not see unless you love your neighbor whom you do see. And you're saying, Pastor, did you make that up? Read 1 John. Read 1 John. You can't love God whom you do not see unless you love your neighbor whom you do see. The the Pharisees were trying to trap Jesus, but he wouldn't allow himself to be trapped. He was working on the Sabbath. He was picking grain. He was feeding But he's telling them, you've missed the point. You all got your eyes firmly planted on your own ideas, on your own narrow theology, on your own little self-centered world. And it's not about you. It's not about you. Sabbath is not a ritual. Let me close sharing just one thing with you as your pastor. One of the most difficult things that I have run across as a pastor is that I can preach with a passion, a true and honest and authentic passion. I can preach from the heart. I can preach as God gives me the words. But it still amazes me within the confines of church, his house, how insensitive and unloving we can be to each other how insensitive and unloving we can be to each other. And if we can't love one another, there's no hope for us outside these walls. There's no hope for us out in society or culture. Unless it begins here, unless it begins in his house, unless it begins on the Sabbath, we can't do it. Sabbath is not a ritual. It's a special day. It's a day of rest, It's a day of relaxation. It's a day of renewal. And it's a day when we should truly be about loving, loving the Lord our God and loving our neighbor as ourselves. That's what we should be about. God has said, remember the Sabbath. And we need to do more than just simply remember. Remember. We need to start honestly living it the way Christ has always intended that it might be lived. Would you bow your heads with us?